So we're going conti- to start a brand new sermon series this morning, uh, looking toward Christmas. Christmas, I am not a planner, but Christmas this year falls on, or Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday, Christmas Day falls on a Monday. And I just mentioned that because this series kind of all builds towards the 24th, which is the evening of Christmas Eve, where we're going to be in a barn out on Leroy slash uh, Brink Farm. And so uh, we hope you got that. There's invitation cards in the back. If you don't have any of those, grab a handful of them, maybe, you know, however many you want it. You can give away, you think, and take those out. We can get plenty more of those printed up. Just a way of inviting someone out to the barn service. It's going to be awesome. It's a special service. It's unique. We don't know how the weather's going to be this year. It was pretty, pretty cold last year, but we'll see. And so as we lean into that, we're kind of aiming that direction toward Christmas. The funny thing about Christmas is it happens once a year. I don't know if you guys knew that or not. It comes once a year. Just letting you all know. And, and there's some weird kind of thing in, in church world where sometimes we, we get a little excited but also kind of aggravated because there are people that will only come to church at Christmas and Easter. Matter of fact, a lot of churches talk about it. They, they like the Christmas and Easter bump. People just feel this desire to go home. Um, I told you all this before, but actually for a while, Family Bible Church had a, had a Christmas and Easter dip because people would feel compelled to go back to their parents' churches and not worship with us on those days. It's interesting that we've been having those experiences. And, and many times we will uh, kind of maybe lament that and say, oh, people should be coming to church all the time or whatever. But here's something that, to think about. This time of year, there's almost an expectation that you're going to end up in a church at some point. No matter how on church you are, there's an expectation that you're going to wind up at some point going to a service somewhere with somebody. Maybe it's with grandma, maybe it's with mom and dad, you know, maybe it's with your kids. But someone is going to say, hey, do you want to join us? Matter of fact, when we go to the barn service on Christmas Eve, a lot of people come out there with their families at night because they're having family gatherings, and they just bring the whole family out and show up for the barn service. Very, very cool. And so as we get into this season of Christmas, we wanted just to start off by encouraging everyone to invite someone to worship right? Encourage them to worship somewhere, you know, say, yeah, but, but be sure to invite them as well. As a matter of fact, I think that in our culture, it, it almost, you know, you can imagine being that person going, like, well, nobody's inviting me. Everyone else is doing, what, where, where am I going to be on Christmas Eve or, or on leading up to Christmas? So I want to put that out there to be thinking about that as we kind of move that direction that we start thinking about not just the Christmas Eve service, but about opportunities we have to just invite people to come in and hear the good news of Jesus Christ, right? Because that's what really what the whole Christmas thing is about. I'm going to give you a little bit of a sneak peek this morning about the sermon series coming up, including today, by the way, so you'll get the first installment today. But we're going to talk about hope, love, joy, and peace, right? The journey toward Christmas. Hope, love, joy, and peace, and, w- and what that looks like in our lives. And I'm going to work hard to try to be really practical about that and what it, what it means in our lives. But, you know, I wonder as we think about the next four weeks of, of hope or of love or joy or of peace, those words, do you know someone in your life that could use a little more? Do you know someone you can think of that, man, they could use a little more hope or they could use more, a little more love or a little more joy or peace in their life. Maybe it's you, right? Maybe you could use a little more love, joy, peace, and hope in your life. As, as people come to mind, I, I want you to be thinking about this opportunity to really share that message with them, the message of the Christmas season. Matter of fact, I wanted to start this morning with a challenge, and it's kind of threefold here. 
The first is that you would invite someone, right? Just invite somebody to hang out. Matter of fact, let me say, you can just invite them to hang out at your house and share hope, love, joy, and peace of the season with them, right? But, but invite them to worship with us as well. We would love to have them join us. The second thing I would challenge you to do is to pray for people who show up. Pray for people who might show up. Pray for the person that you've already thought of this morning that goes, man, they could use some more love, joy, hope, and peace. Pray for them. And the third thing I want to challenge you to do is that when folks show up, I just want to love on them a whole bunch. I hope when you come here, you get a whole bunch of love. Sometimes, man, being portable is such a drag. We're sort of trying to, I'm sure it's the same way church says, like throwing space, but we're trying to work out technical problems, all this stuff, it feels chaotic. But, and I know, I said, when Dale made announcements, nobody was up here, but like people were in the back visiting by the coffee pot. That's awesome. But maybe in this season particularly, we can really focus, when, when people come through the door, open, I love our greeter this morning, by the way, I got a hug and everything when I came through the door. Uh, you know, open door people, good morning, we're glad you're here. You know, over by the coffee pots, hey, how are you doing? So glad to see you. Not just a few of us do that, but all of us do that as people come in the doors. Maybe it's at the barn service, right? That's and just packed in there, and you can just walk around and just encourage people. So glad you came. And you know what's funny about it? You go, man, Bill, that's weird, right? But have you ever gone somewhere where you don't know anybody? Or maybe you know a few people your friend brought you and you're like, this is awkward. <laughs> you know what I mean? How cool would it be to come, have somebody come up to you and say, man, I'm glad you're here. I, I can't imagine being like, what? I'm, I'm glad I'm here. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome way to, way to do that. So just be thinking about that. The three challenges, invite someone, pray for those who are invited and come, and then show some love, some, some smiles or hugs, right? Or uh, handshakes maybe if they don't want to hug yet, right? Directions, where the things are at. Because see, the truth is that we, we do this as a community, not individual. No one person does this. No one person can be the church. But we can be the church. We want to talk about that more today. All right, we're going to pray right now. We always pray before we get into God's words. We're going to pray together that he would reveal truth to us. Pray with me if you would. Father God, I thank you so much for Christmas. It comes once a year, and we can become kind of blasé about it, like here it is again. We've seen it all before. Father, but the lights are broken, the trees are pain. But it's about you. This is about you, you and your love and your son that you sent that we might know you. So I just pray, Father, that in the spirit of Christmas that we would really have a renewed passion and vigor for you, that we would get new eyes to see clearly what it's about, new uh, opportunities around us to love people well this season and to share the message. I mean, the profound message that you sent on Christmas. We praise you so much for Jesus. We praise you for the Holy Spirit. We praise you for your word and your time with us this morning. May you be glorified as we grow in you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to start with the idea of hope, right? And this might be a weird thing to start with, but I want to talk first about the problem of hope in our lives. Now, you might think, well, Bill, there's no problem with hope in our lives, right? But there is. Hope's kind of a tough thing. It cuts both ways. You know what I mean? Um, I want to read a definition here of hope. This is uh, from, I think, Miriam. I, I wouldn't swear to that. It says, it's a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. I'm going to read it again. It's a feeling or expectation 
and desire for a certain thing to happen. There was another definition I read that said something like, it's, ask, it's, it's, it's asking or it's wanting something that you're sure is going to happen, right? Like, I hope you're doing well. That's more than just, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> like, I, my expectation is you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. But many times, of course, we aren't. Um, hope is a funny thing because hope is about the future, right? I mean, you think about it, like, hope is about the future of our lives. But hope's about more than the future because hope's about the right now. Right? If you're feeling really hopeful, it's probably because things are, 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 are going better for you. And you have an expectation that they're going to keep getting better for you. That's kind of how hope works. So hope's about the future, but hope's about the present. You know what's even weirder? Hope's kind of about the past. You, you go, what? No, because the past, right? But do you know why you hope for a better future? Because the past isn't exactly the way you want it to be. As a matter of fact, if the past was perfect, you wouldn't hope for anything better, would you? Hope is this expectation that something is coming that's better. Or you at least want it to be. As a matter of fact, sometimes we have those pinnacle experiences in our lives, and then we get into real life every day, and we look back, and we become hopeless, because we think, it was so great then, and now it's not great anymore for us. See, that's the problem of hope, because it's about time and change and opportunity. I want to do something this morning with you. I want you to participate with me right now, if you would. Just for a second, for, for a few seconds here. I want you to stop, and I want you to think about something you're really hoping for in your life. Think about something that you really hope to have, to happen, to experience, to know. Maybe it's a future job that you want. You know, maybe you just, you just hate your job. And you're like, oh, I hope for a better job. Or maybe you don't have a job. You're like, I hope for a job at all. Maybe you're a student and you hope to, to start working when you get out of school. You, you hope for that future. Maybe you're in school and you just hope to pass, <laughs> right? Hope to make it. Maybe you have friends, you hope that they're still your friends in a year. Or you have relationships that you hope go to the next level, right? I hope I'm looking that direction. I hope that happens. Maybe it's family this time of year. I hope to see my family. I hope to make it home. I don't know, what is it for you that you really hope for? I think it's a funny thing that I think we kind of we kind of guard that stuff really closely, don't we? Because it's dangerous hoping. That's the problem of hope. There's part of us is afraid if we hope for something and it doesn't happen, we'll be disappointed. So let's don't hope. But Christmas is all about hope. There's a great uh, passage of scripture in Proverbs, and it's uh, Proverbs uh, thirteen twelve. I'm going to turn there. You don't have to. I'm just going to have it up here on the screens. I think. Push this twice. There we go. This is a funny Proverbs. Proverbs 13, 12. And this is a, kind of a maybe weird one for Christmas, but this is what it says. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's kind of the problem with hope. 
<laughs> right there. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. This is the book of wisdom, by the way, and, and not that the whole Bible isn't full of wisdom, but this is it's literally, let's write down the smartest things we can think of, the most wise sayings, and this is what is said. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. L longings that go unmet make us sick inside because we want it. We hope for it. And then when it, it takes a while, we just get sick. It hurts. It's from uh, King Solomon wrote this wisdom, and, and uh, it's from God, but King Solomon recorded it. And uh, what an interesting view of hope. It could make us not feel good or, or ill inside. Well, looking toward Christmas, man, I want to talk about the whole point of Christmas. Israel was longing for Messiah. Israel was longing. That thing that you just wanted, the, the, you know, you're, 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 I said, think of something you hope happens in your life, and you're like, man, I don't know what it would be, you know, a job, an opportunity, success, I mean, marriage, babies, you know, whatever. Like, would you think about that? That was nothing compared to Israel longing for generations that God might send the Messiah. I mean, can you imagine a cultural hope so high? A, a hope for not just you, but all the people? Proverbs says, the hope deferred makes the heart sick. Longing, hoping for Messiah. Matter of fact, Let's talk about Christmas for a minute. What does Christmas mean? <laughs> like, what is the meaning of Christmas? I don't mean like figuratively what does it mean. <laughs> like, what does it actually mean? This is fascinating to me. It's just what it says. It means Christ's, you got to put an extra S in it, Christ's mass. That's what it means. Some of you might come from Roman Catholic backgrounds. You go, I know what a Mass is, and some of you don't. And you're like, I don't know what a Mass is. You know what a Mass is? It's not a Roman Catholic worship service. That's not what it is. It's Eucharist. And you know what Eucharist is? Giving thanks. So if I can unpack it, Christmas is giving thanks for Christ. Or Christ's giving thanks service. It's an opportunity to worship God because he gave us Christ. That's not just a Protestant thing, by the way. That's a church thing. Some people will say, well, you know, Christmas is a secular holiday. Look, it was put there around 300 on that date, but they knew Jesus was born a man, fully God, fully man, but he was born at some point, and they chose the winter solstice to celebrate Christ's thanksgiving. Isn't that cool? So that's literally what it means. Merry Christmas. By the way, this is really funny. At the parade the other night, when we were up there hanging out with people, it was really weird the day of Thanksgiving to tell everyone Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. It felt so premature. And people couldn't help but respond back by saying, Merry Christmas. I think it felt awkward for them too, right? <laughs> but that's what we're celebrating, aren't we? Happy thanking God for Christ's day. 
that's what we're doing at Christmas. And so in this longing, this hope for Messiah is where we come into uh, Christmas season. For us, it's annual. Listen, for them, it was thousands of years. For us, it's annual. For them, it was generations and generations and generations of people. Matter of fact, I think it's like 14 times 3. Generations that were waiting and longing and hoping for God to send Messiah. I want to um, ask you, if you brought a Bible, you can turn there. You don't have to. We're going to have the words on the screen this morning. But we're going to look at Matthew uh, 22, I'm sorry, 1, 22 through 23. Just two verses. Matthew 1, 22 and 23. We're going to talk about that and how this manifestation of Jesus is the hope, right? It's the hope of Israel, the people of God. So I'm just going to read it, and then we're just going to, it's two verses, right? 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's it. That's pretty short, isn't it? All, all this happened so that the word that came through the prophet would be fulfilled the virgin will, give, will be with child and will give birth to a son whom they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's what Christmas is about. The coming of Messiah. So how does this tie into hope? What does this look like for real to have Messiah? The first thing that I want to kind of notices all this took place and you go all what took place <laughs> all what took you know that story that we've all heard a thousand times about jesus and joseph and mary and the manger and the donkey and the inn and the journey and all that stuff matthew writes to the church all that stuff took place for a purpose for a reason let's just go through the list real quick and find out Oh, here's some good news. Uh, Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. Can you just imagine for a minute the hope that they had? Can you imagine, Denise, how excited they were? <laughs> right? Can you imagine how excited you would be? Pledged to be married. Walk around, show off the ring, you know. I don't know what it was in their culture. Show off the goats. I don't know what they did. You know what I mean? They, they were pledged. It was a big deal. Everyone knew. The, the culture would celebrate. They would get excited. Oh my gosh, you're going to be married. It's so good. You're, you, you know, you're going to have a future together. It's going to be amazing. That's what happened, right? All this that happened. Let's, uh, you know, Mary, Mary got pregnant before the wedding. Awkward. <laughs> Is that about hope? How do you think uh, Joseph and Mary were feeling then? Wait a minute. How do you think Mary's feeling whenever she realized she might be preggers and about to get married? Or Joseph, when he finds out that this young woman that he loved, that he thought was faithful, would wait 
turns up pregnant. We don't have to guess. This happens in the same book. You know what Joseph does? He starts thinking divorce. He's breaking it off. Put her away quietly, I think is how the text reads. Think that's about hope? I thought Mary was the one. But I'm going to have to just let that go. The dream has died. She's not who I thought she was. Or Mary's side. Knowing what she knows, how will Joseph have me? What will he think of me? What will his family think? Does that sound like hope? Man, that sounds like a whole lot of not hope, right? That sounds like your dreams are in the toilet. Things have not gone well. What else happens, though? An angel shows up in a dream. Now, you might read that and go, that's hopeful. But I'm telling you, if this is my life, if I'm Joseph and an angel comes to me in a dream, I'm going to go, that's weird, <laughs> right? And you might make the argument, it was different for people back then because they had visions all the time. Let me tell you, you wake up from a dream where God told you to go ahead and marry your pregnant girlfriend and tell me that that's not a weird experience. That's a weird experience. Is that about hope? I hope the angel's right. I hope the dream is true. I hope Mary is who she says she is. Or from Mary's perspective, I hope Joseph is serious. I hope he'll go through with it. Because you see, the scriptures say that all those things happen, all those things take place for a reason. Perspective. For Mary and Joseph, it was that much of their life. For Israel, thousands of years. For Mary and Joseph, it's about this like, next month kind of problem. For Israel, generations and generations of waiting. Believe me, no one, no one thought this would be Messiah. No one. What else does it say here? 22. All this took place, why? To fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. To fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. Now we get the quote next. We're talking about that. But this means that God said something's going to happen. And God's going to make it happen. That, that there's something going on that God wants to see manifest in the world. And despite all indications to the otherwise. Despite everything that they've gone through to get to this point, And we look back and we go, oh look how faithful they are. Listen, this is real life for them. This isn't a joke, Right? It may have been even harder for them than it would be for us now to walk this out. And God, God says, because the things I say are true are true. Why? Wait. Because you are right to hope in me. It's a, a good thing to hope in the promises of God. Prophecy is being fulfilled it mean, and by the way, I just want to define this and we'll move on. It means that something has been said that has been elevated against everything else that is true. That's what prophecy means. It means saying a word now that will be true, is true, in fact, despite the circumstances. As a matter of fact, if you look back through Israel's history, the prophets were often ridiculed at the time for not being right. 
and many of the prophets who were lying were, you know, were believed. It's about someone elevating the truth now that is true, despite all the circumstances it might look otherwise. So where is this at then? And this is the last part here. This is rooted in a prophecy from um, Isaiah 7.14. Isaiah is an old school prophet, man. He's like a hardcore prophet. Uh, went around speaking the word of God in truth, right? Uh, a hero, I would say, of the Bible and uh, a, a faithful mouthpiece for God. Just say what's true is true. But what's interesting about this promise to me is this is a conversation between Isaiah and God and Ahaz. Or Ahaz, right? That's how you say that. A-H-A-Z. King Ahaz. Who, who had just told God, when God said, give me a test, he goes, I will not test you, God. <laughs> Listen, if God says, give me a test, I don't think we should talk back to him like that. That's what, that's what I think. But Ahaz is like, I'm, you know what he's kind of saying? I'm holier than you are. <laughs> I, would, I would not dare to be obedient to you in this moment because you're, tr what are you trying to trick me, right? No. And this is what God says in response to Ahaz's lack of faith. He says, I will keep my promise. I declare the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. Come straight out of Isaiah 7.14. So you have this old school prophet who had told this king that this is a sign that God is doing what God wants to do. That meant it was for him, but it also meant it's for Israel. Right? So when Jesus shows up on the scene, the people are like, this is what Isaiah was talking about. This is the one. And when Matthew records the gospel... He writes, this is to fulfill prophecy. Matter of fact, that it's completely true. That all the things that uh, um, Isaiah said so many years ago have come true in Jesus. Well, here's the thing then. So if, if it's so hopeful, Right? What's, what's the problem? I mean, why can't we just hope in God? Why can't we just believe in the promises? Muster the gift, right? This is what I think. I think our fear kills our hope. Our fear kills our hope. I'm too afraid to share what I hope for because if it doesn't come true, it's gonna, you know, and so it kills it before it even gets out. We don't even get to be hopeful. We primitively, you know, teach ourselves to not hope for things, to be skeptics, cynics, and not be hopeful. You remember that song that we sing once a year? I, if, if, listen, by the way, this morning we did a couple of uh, um, what called hymns or Christmas carols in worship. I hope you can worship with Christmas carols. I can hope when you're singing Christmas carols, I hope when you're out in the public square and, you know, the madrigals are singing all beautifully that you go, oh my God, that's the gospel because that's the gospel. Here's a quote. The hopes and fears 
of all the years are met in thee tonight. You know that song, right? They're saying, it's old little town of Bethlehem. Are they talking about the town? Talking about Jesus. All of our hopes, all of our fears are confronted with the truth that Messiah is here. All that we've longed for, all that we've hoped for. See, here's the irony of the modern Christmas. Um, Many of us find Christmas overwhelmingly hopeless, not hopeful. Um, We find it hopeless for a bunch of reasons. Maybe we're grieving the loss of someone that we love, and it's our first year without them. And we're grieving that loss, and we can feel hopeless. Or, Or maybe it's a lack of provision, you know. All the other kids are getting cool toys, and I'm not. Or I'm a parent. All the other parents are getting their kids cool toys, and I'm not. And you get hopeless. Or God forbid, you were hopeless because you couldn't do it, and so you put it all on a credit card. Now you can't pay the bill, and you're losing your house. You get hopeless about provision issues. You can get hopeless just because another year has gone by. And you look back, and you're like, wow, it's another year already? And we can get hopeless at Christmas. There's even been some ministries that have begun to focus on this hopelessness of Christmas. I want to point one of them out to you. If you know someone who's particularly despondent or hopeless in Christmas, our friends at um, Highland Hope right across the street, they have a special service every year called Blue Christmas. And so those who are grieving, who are hurting, and who don't think that they belong at Christmas. Maybe that's an opportunity to offer that to someone or to maybe go for yourself. Here's the interesting thing I found, by the way. There's this myth out there, and I think this kind of turns the corner here for us a little bit. There's this myth up there that depression and suicide are higher during the holidays. Have you ever heard that? Did you ever heard it? You know, actually, I, I thought that, that was a fact I thought I knew when I, I thought this is exactly what the hopelessness is about. This is why we need to have some hope in the holidays. Do you know what the facts are? That actually suicides go down around the holidays, not up. I was like, what? I didn't believe it. Found like three or four sources. Seems to be true. Empirically studied. Not up, down. Our perceptions, it goes up. We think it would go up, but it goes down. And then I thought, well, why is that? And this is a quote. The lower incident of suicides is now thought to be related to family time and the support that this generates. Huh. So inviting someone over for a meal, going to your parents' house, being with your crazy brother or sister <laughs> actually helps you feel connected to other people. It's not hopelessness, it's hopefulness this season. See, Christmas can only be truly hopeless if we think it's about us right here, right now. Hope, Christmas can only be hopeless if we think that all that God can, did, and will ever do is being manifest in this moment. Then you can be hopeless. But if you believe that God can do anything else in your life than what he's done, what he's doing, what he might do, if you think he can do anything else, you should feel the hope. Because it's a season of hope. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. The hope of Christmas is that we are guaranteed 
listen to me, a better future than our present circumstances in Christ, no matter how good our present circumstances are. The truth of the hope of Christmas that the prophets have talked about that held up being true despite everything else is that if you're believing in Jesus, you have a better future than your present no matter how good or bad it is right now. That's the hope of Christmas. The hope of Messiah coming. Where does that come from? Some of you twisted your Bibles. I heard you earlier. You were flipping pages. I heard you doing it. I, I, I heard you. Because I only share with you half of Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. <laughs> you just want it so bad. You just wait, wait for it. It's going to be good. Wait for it. But this is what it says. But it is a tree of life when the longing is fulfilled. You go, man, why did Israel have to wait so long for Messiah? You know, why do I have to wait so long for God to work in my life? Why do I have to hope hope, hope in Jesus, because it's a tree of life when it's fulfilled. Like, when God manifests the true, his true nature in, around, and through us, it's a brand new thing. I don't think any of us have experienced it fully. I don't think we have. You get a little, but man, it's going to be better than all we've ever hoped for. See, that's the whole verse. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but it's a tree of life. When a longing is fulfilled, the same hope is fulfilled in our life. This is why uh, um, Matthew was so excited to talk about Jesus. It's been fulfilled. Check this out. I want to read a quote to you. This is, I was wondering, like, you know, I keep saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Masonic prophecy, right? That he is the fulfillment. I believe that that's true. I believe that's true because he's convinced me, but I thought, this, what about Jewish people? They, I want to read this to you. This is a quote from a rabbi. Um, I read a whole bunch of them about the Masonic. I'm not going to bore you with all, but I want you to hear this one. It is impossible to accept the notion that God would create a deeply flawed world filled to the brim with injustice, corruption, and immorality for all of eternity. We must therefore, with the conviction that, with the conviction of day one, that humankind will receive a true enlightenment and will abandon the endless pursuits of power, of wealth, and selfish pleasure that have dominated the consciousness since the dawn of time and are responsible for the disharmony and conflict that prevail throughout the entire earth. Listen to this. Like all social and political movements, this transformation will take place under the guidance of a wise teacher, a brave pioneer with the courage to stand up and fight for principles of eternal value and enduring truth. Like all revolutionaries, this leader will be initially ignored, later reviled, and finally resisted until the sheer power of his message can no longer be denied. At that moment, our civilization will attain its greatest spiritual breakthrough. The search for wisdom and justice will supplant hankerings after material wealth and instantaneous gratification, and human beings will live in peace and in harmony, united in the service to the Almighty. The architect of this cultural upheaval is the person we call Messiah. And our faith in his arrival is a necessary corollary to our belief 
in God. That a perfect and omnipotent creator could not, would not allow his handiwork to wallow in our imperfection forever. And I say to that, amen. <laughs> that was Rabbi Joshua Maroff. The only thing is, I think that's Jesus. <laughs> I don't think you write a better job description for Jesus than what he said. But the truth is that in Christmas, Messiah has come. See, I asked, I, I, I asked you earlier to think of a hope that you have for your life, something that you wanted, you desired, right? My next question is this. Who gave you that hope? Where did that hope come from? Where does it come from? Where does the sense that there must be more than this and I don't mean more material wealth or more possession. You know I mean more success. I mean we have an insatiable appetite because we believe there's more. This is not all there is. Even if you're a materialist, you say this is all there is, you still desire more. Where does that come from? I believe that hope is a God-given longing for a better place, a better thing a better relationship, a better person. And I believe that hope is found in God providing a better future for us than we could ever imagine for ourselves. That's the hope of Christmas. So, wrapping it up, do you know someone that could use a little hope? You know, as a matter of fact, um, there, I got, maybe there's somebody listening to a podcast right now, which sounds really weird because they're not here right now listening with us. But you know, I, I, there are people right now listening to the podcast that won't come to church, but they want to hear the message. And, and I just want to say, man, I wish they were here. I wish they were with us so we could show them some love and some hope, some joy and some peace. You might think that that's weird to say, right? It seems so like crazy to say it, but I have people approach me all the time and tell me that. I'm listening. I'm not coming. Come. Who needs a little more hope this season? Remember the challenge. Maybe we can invite somebody. Maybe we can pray for somebody. Or maybe we can show some love to somebody who needs to come. Pray with me if you would. Oh, Father God, I thank you so much for this day. Thank you for every person who's gathered here to hear your word and to listen to your truth. I thank you for the truth that your Holy Spirit compels us to do these things in obedience. Even, even, Father, while we're disobedient people, you're compelling us toward obedience. And we give you thanks and praise for that reality to that truth. We believe in the hope of Christmas and we believe that you are com you're drawing your people near to yourself in this season. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, and he's the only way to know you for all people, for all time, for all eternity. And I just pray this morning, Father, that if there's someone here or maybe someone listening who, who doesn't know you, that they would just risk that conversation. <laughs> that they would be like, you know, King Ahaz and be like, ah, oh, I don't know. And, and that you would set things right in their life. That uh, you would make promises that we could not break. And Father, for your work, for the gospel, for Jesus Christ, for his coming and his dying on the cross, we give you thanks and praise. 
Uh, we only know you by your grace and mercy. May you be made known this Christmas season. And Father, I mean this prayer with my whole heart. May we be the people to proclaim it. I love you so much. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.